Slicing toward the pesky pole down the line. Another episode of the Pesky Podcast. I'm your host, The Rit. With me is the OG, George Sutherland. And with us today, we have the greatest all-female and the first all-female broadcast combination. Ms. Riley Pay, Emma Tiedman. Nailed it. Oh, yes. Good job. You, you you have no idea. I get guests on here, and I'm like, I got to ask you beforehand, before I don't sound like an idiot. <laughs> and I forgot to ask you, but I'm like, let's just go for it. And I was perfect. That was good. So, was confidence. So let's start off with, with with you ladies. I've got to ask. Uh, let's start with Riley. Then we're you know we're just go back and forth. Uh, what got you into broadcasting and what kind of uh, drove you, you know, to wanting to do what? Yeah, I had took a little bit of an unconventional path to the broadcast booth. It wasn't ever something that I thought I would end up doing. I always loved the game of baseball and I always wanted to be around it from when I was young. It was the highlights of all of our family trips. So I was like, how many major league parks can I cross off my bucket list and keeping that going is still so it's always been something that I've loved and I knew that I wanted to work in baseball that was always the common denominator for me so I started um, interning throughout my time in college I just graduated from UNLV this uh, past year in May and started interning my junior year going into my junior year of college Um, with the Northwoods League, um, a collegiate baseball league as well, and applied to be a marketing intern and an MC there, um, and was always kind of drawn to the broadcast aspect as well. I got to shadow some of our broadcasters, and I think that's when I started to think of um, that as something that was interesting to me. Came home and started interning with UNLV Athletics and kind of got to do everything and got my hand in a little bit of everything with our baseball team, got to PA for them and and do all the behind the scenes work and then started uh, broadcasting with our student radio station here. Uh, from there, ended up with the Cape Cod Baseball League uh, going into my senior year of college. And that is where my play-by-play beginnings happened, if you would. Um, I was originally supposed to do just all-encompassing team reporting and sideline reporting and had two other broadcast partners as well and did some color commentary early on. And then they looked at me one day and uh, really on the spot. I remember the game uh, really early on into the season. I was already at the game and they turned to me and said, uh, what do you think you do the middle innings of play by play today? No preparation, just told me then and there, as most broadcasters know, it's kind of a nightmare. You want to be prepared in some sense uh, for the game. But I said yes, and I think it surprised everybody because uh, they 
no other girls had really said yes before then. So I said yes to the middle innings. And after that, um, it the rest is kind of history. Just kept it going. Loved it a lot. And I think what drew me to play-by-play is that it was the most challenging thing for me. And so that was uh, something that always kept me going. I was like, I want to get better at this. I want to um, kind of conquer it and and continue to improve at it every day. It was the most challenging by far. So it's like, this is it. Um, I love the challenge. And I continued that the whole summer and then saw the posting after the fact um, which for the Portland Sea Dogs and was very familiar with Emma's work and was so excited at the idea of getting to work with her and just the quality of a broadcaster that she was. And it was just the icing on the cake that she was also a female broadcaster. So it's been the perfect road, very unconventional, but um, really lucky to be with the Sea Dogs. Oh, man. Emma? Um, So my road started uh, 15 years ago, actually, this year. I, you know, growing up, I loved animals. I actually want to be a veterinarian Um, until my sophomore year of high school. I was realizing that I was really bad at math and science, like, like this girl needs tutoring bad kind of thing. And it was around that time, too. I got lucky. My grandfather uh, was a broadcaster for 60 years uh, in the Dallas area where we grew up. And um, he was at the time having some students from the University of North Texas call games with him. And I would go and I would score basketball games for him, kind of be his spotter, if you will. Just I didn't really have a role. I just helped him keep score and, and, you know, realize who was on the court and stuff. And so uh, one of the days his students uh, couldn't make it. And kind of like Riley, he turned to me and said, hey, I have an extra headset today and, you know, basketball really well. Um, How about how about we try this? And I was like, well, okay, but, you know, what's what what can go wrong? Right. And I absolutely fell in love with it. I had been playing basketball, playing sports since basically before I could walk, um, played every sport growing up. So it was just kind of an easy transition um, into the calling games and then analyzing on the spot. Um, And then, you know, talking with coaches and players post game, it was just a dream for me. So um, I've been doing it ever since, Uh, you know, when I went to college at the University of Missouri, I originally thought I wanted to work for a network and call games all year long. And so when I was getting later my junior year, I was realizing baseball was actually my weakest sport play-by-play wise. So uh, like Riley, I did the summer collegiate route. I actually went the complete opposite direction actually to Alaska um, and spent a summer in the Alaska Baseball League. And that's where I fell in love with working in baseball. Day in, day in, day in, day out, the daily grind, showing up first thing in the morning, staying till late at night, I would like to say until the sun's, you know, until it's dark outside, but it's Alaska. <laughs> yeah. So I, and you know, in the bus rides, I've, you know, love those, you know, seeing the different parts of, of Alaska and everything. So that's when my career kind of pivoted towards baseball. Um, and, you know, I kind of realized that, you know what, this is what I want to do every day for the next, you know, 50 years of my life. And so my ultimate goal is to be a, a major league broadcaster one day. So all of my career moves have centered around that goal. So went from Alaska to another summer collegiate league in Oregon, then went into professional baseball with St. Paul uh, and then in Lexington. And then uh, when the Portland job opened up to take over for, for Mike Antonellis, um, you know, Portland has one of the best reputations of minor league baseball. Couldn't pass it up. Um, I figured I wasn't going to get the job because everyone was going to apply, but here I am. So uh, very happy to be in Portland. Uh, and, and of course, have Riley in the booth uh, this last season. It was great. Oh, man. So, uh, George, you, you want to start it off? 
Uh, sure. I mean, um, you know, both of you, I mean, uh, I know, Emma, you've been around for about three seasons now. You had to wait a year because COVID kind of put you on the sidelines. But, uh, you know, both of you, you know, how do you like uh, working in in Portland and, and working in Maine? Um, you know, it's it's a little bit different, Riley. I mean, it's not Las Vegas, but, it, you know, we think it's better, you know. Yeah, it's, you can, West Coast, Best Coast, I don't know. It's loosely used. I love the East Coast. Um, and I have family from there growing up as well. So I was always kind of around the Maryland area. I loved it a ton. Uh, Portland is, I think, obviously a biased opinion, but it's a great minor league city. There's so much to do. Um, downtown is beautiful. All the beaches is fantastic. And I think especially for the Red Sox system, you're so close to Boston that you really feel that from the fan base in Portland. So uh, really lucky, kind of the placement of the team as well, because you get to feel the Boston fan base even at the minor league level, which is really neat. Yeah, I second that. I was actually really nervous uh, after waiting of my first year of 2020 of not having baseball because I know how passionate Boston fans are. I was like, I'm from Texas. You know, I was raised a Rangers fan, which hopefully tonight's the night. Um, and, you know, and I'm coming into New England and, you know, I it just, you know, I wasn't raised a Red Sox fan. But, you know, the people in Portland are absolutely like the kindest people you'll ever meet. Um, you know, I think that it was different getting to know Portland and getting to know Maine during the pandemic. Um, and just the fact that they, you know, were still welcoming. I could ask anybody, a stranger off the street, where should I pick up dinner that night? I'd have a list of five suggestions and then five more for breakfast the next morning. I mean, these people are so nice. Um, and the fans are fantastic. They sometimes know more about the players than we do. Um, and, and just the passion is, is incredible. And you can see it in our attendance numbers with, you know, all these sold out games and stuff. It's, it's just an incredible baseball town. And, and to see the support of the sea dogs and the Red Sox is, is just awesome day in and day out. Yeah. So uh, got, uh, go ahead, George. I'm sorry. I, I was going to follow up. So did you get in the front office of spring for dinner at DeMillo's yet? <laughs> haven't been there yet, but Emma has a great uh, radio ad read about it. So I know everything about it just haven't been. Well, you know, maybe just you know, maybe we'll just start the we'll start the ball rolling now, so that when the season starts, you know, they'll listen to it and go, "Oh yeah, they kind of put us on the spot. We should be taking out to Demillo's for dinner." I could, I could get behind that. Okay, we'll, we'll we'll start lobbying for that. Perfect. So I, uh, you know, you mentioned about the attendance. This team this past year had some crazy players on it. You know all all the fans, our whole pipe system pretty much is in double A right now. And, you know, you go from Marcella Meyer, uh, Nick York to uh, Kyle Teal and Roman Anthony, which I've got his shirt on the Roman empire. So, <laughs> but uh, no, it's like, so, so what is it like to, you know, have to have the energy of the crowd with the product on the field and have to put it all together to put it out for a broadcast. Whichever, um, <laughs> whichever you two, you know, want to take it. Um, I I think the the crowd is is something that adds I think so much to the broadcast. Um, you know, and 
Riley will can attest to this of how important I find the crowd mic um, and putting it out every night and making sure the levels are great um, so we can accurately describe and have the crowd describe how into the game they were, whether it was walk-offs like, you know, Stephen Scott's walk-off home run on his birthday um, and, you know, Marcelo Myers first at bat at Hadlock Field. Um, I think that having the crowd energy behind, you know, a guy in double A like Marcelo or Roman um, coming to the plate and the fans knowing who they are and you can hear that applause um, is, is really, it's really special. Um, you know, I think last time we really saw that was with Tristan Costas in 2021. Um, but when Marcelo came to the plate for the first time at Hadlock, uh, this season, you knew these fans knew exactly who this guy was. Um, but I think it just adds a very extra special element to the broadcast every night to see these guys play. I think, you know, this last season is not one we'll take for granted knowing we had so many top prospects. And I think, we saw quite a few future major leaguers, whether they're with Boston or, or with other clubs. Um, and I think, you know, in five or 10 years time, we'll look back and be like, whew, that 2023 team was stacked. And I, I think we won't realize just how good they were until we can kind of look back and see those MLB careers and see how they've panned out. So I think that it, it just makes our job extra exciting every night, putting on the headset and being like, this could be quite a game for somebody, not you know, whether it's Nick York's another defensive gym, you know, at second base or, you know, Marcelo feeling a, a ball behind second base and making it look like so easy. Um, and then having Kyle and, and Roman Jonas in, late in the season. I mean, this this was kind of a pinch me sort of season uh, with the kind of talent we have with Portland. Yeah. Um, so I've sat there and talked to Tyler Murray. He uh, broadcast for the Triple uh, A team and seen him at games. You know, seeing how what his process is and stuff. What are you? What's your guys's game set mindset going into every day? Because every day is different depending on what happened the night before. And you know, you, you never really know in minor league games. A person might be there one day, gets called up, and you know, you have a whole batch of new kids. Yeah, I think it's kind of just a testament to the idea of broadcast. You just always have to expect the unexpected in a sense. Um, so preseason, you try and get to know as many of uh, the prospects as you can and kind of foreshadow what you think the season will look like, but you never really know what you're going to get. So it's just kind of um, from a note standpoint, having a little bit of everything ready to go and being ready uh, for anything that can happen, just having like a kind of complete understanding of the system and then expecting that something completely different could happen another day, which is also part of the exciting part too, as far as like rehab assignments, that's always exciting. You can't prep for those at all, but uh, you're really excited when they do come. It's like another holiday uh, to every game really. Yeah. And I think, you know, throughout the season too, you know, we, you get to know the guys, you know, what has happened every, you know, the series against Binghamton and you know how, our hit our hitters have performed against certain pitchers and you kind of have that feeling and you know that stuff for me it's you know sometimes I'll write it down a lot of it is just I you know see a lot of baseball and I can just remember this and you know that will spark some conversations between Riley and I but I think it's also just asking the players questions um you know Nick York for example changed his batting stance late in the season and Riley pointed that out um you know Tyler Dearden changed his uh after during the all-star break and then started going off and, you know, I just walked up to him and said, hey, have, are you dipping your shoulder, your left shoulder a little bit more? Uh, and, and it led to a whole conversation about his, you know, just approach in the batter's box before the pitcher even comes set, really. And it's a timing thing versus Nick York's was 
a totally different thing of making sure he got his hands around a little bit faster. And so, you know, it's those types of things of you have to constantly be talking to the players because their game changes and evolves and the broadcast should too. So we can, you know, better relay what's going on on the field instead of saying, oh, you know, Nick York now with the lower, uh, the hands a little bit lower in the batting stance versus over the head. We, we should know why. And I think that asking the players just what's going on, you know, that helps the broadcast and, and it helps us as baseball fans too, because, you know, Riley and I haven't played professional baseball. A lot of broadcasters haven't, and it makes us, you know, know a little bit more about the sport. Yeah. Uh, I know one thing about, I love uh, podcasting when I get to talk to them is the relationships that we, you build with the players and stuff. And you watch them on the journey, you know, and, and you pick up key things that they're doing that they didn't do. And it, it just, some, most people might not, re, you know, recognize those. And then just like, you know, you said with, with Tyler, when Tyler was on the show, he was great. You know, he, he was one, he was a great guy. You know, we got to talk about a lot of good things, but when he, you come up to him like, Hey, and, you know, you're, you're dipping your shoulder a little bit more. He's like, Oh, wow. You're paying attention. Like, you know, most people don't pay attention and it's the, those small things that you see, it, it makes it a lot better, better for the game. So this is going to lead up to, to a question that I'm dying to ask. What is it like for two female broadcasters to be in a male dominated broadcast, you know, situation around the league and is there more pressure, you think, on you guys uh, broadcasting to, you know, stand out more? That's a great question. Um, and I would say yes in the sense that you just want to do justice to the girls that follow and you want to create that opportunity for them. But at the same point, um, I wouldn't say that there's any pressure at all because really the some of the most influential people in my broadcast career have all been uh, men that I've worked with and they've been very helpful in um, like breeding that confidence in you, if you would. They're, they're some of my biggest fans and uh, you never really feel that pressure um, of being a female in the industry. And I really hadn't thought about it as much as I have these past couple months, um, just with all of the excitement of this booth, you don't really think about it because it's just another day for you uh, doing a broadcast. Um, so I wouldn't say that there's any pressure in that sense, but you definitely want to um, do justice to the girls that are coming after you and will continue on in the profession. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that, you know, my first, my first minor league broadcast uh, in 2018, uh, I felt very nervous uh, because I was thinking, I was like, oh, I can't screw this up because I'm going to screw it up for women. And like felt the like the weight of our gender on my shoulders. And I was like, no, no, no. You know, I'm I'm supposed to be here. I've earned this job. I'm good at my job. And, you know, this is it's going to be fine. Um, and so I kind of went about my those couple of seasons just, you know, oh, I, I'm just a, a broadcaster. I just happen to be female, happen to get a little bit more attention because of that. But um I, I didn't really kind of lean into the fact that, you know, this is a very unique situation until we had all of the female broadcasters at the time together uh, for an event in Lexington and actually 2020 in February um, and kind of realized, you know, out of at that time, 142 teams, there was only six of us. Um, and, and unfortunately, that number has kind of dwindled a little bit. 
in, in recent years, but now it's kind of like, no, I should kind of walk around and, and realize that I'm a female broadcaster, be proud of it because there are girls that are looking up to us. Um, and there are females that want to do this job and, and follow us on, on social media and see, Oh, that actually looks really cool to do. Maybe I want to be in play by play. Um, so, so I kind of wear it as, as almost a badge of honor at this point, um, just cause I've worked so hard to get here. And, and it's cool mm -hmm. that, you know, we have other women like Riley coming up, um, who are going to take our jobs one day. And, uh, hopefully there's, there's many more coming up as well. Uh, who are some, uh, people that you look up to, uh, or, you know, ask advice for, cause there's, there's some great, you know, uh, TCs up there, you know, on, uh, at Fenway, uh, one of my favorites is I, lo I love the energy Papelbon brings. So, uh, it, so who are some inspirations and who do you guys go to when you, you know, you, you need some advice or, or have questions? Uh, well, I, I know this is a Boston podcast. I'm sorry ahead of time, but she is from Boston. Um, but Susan Waldman with the Yankees, um, <laughs> she's absolutely incredible, uh, has been so supportive, um, and she's had it harder than anyone else in this industry. Um, you can look up old interviews with her, um, everything that she had to go through just to kind of just earn her way in the Yankees booth. It's, it's sad that she did, but it's incredible that she's still around uh, and, and still mm -hmm. calling games with, with John. Um, and so, yeah, she's definitely a person, you know, Melanie Newman with the Orioles and then also the other women in minor league baseball right now, you know, Jill Guerin, Emily Messina, um, always a text message away, Riley now too. Um, but you know, it, it's, it's great to kind of see how there is a, a small group of people who understand exactly what it's like to be a, quite the minority in this business. Um, so they only a, a text message away, which is great. Um, but yeah, it's good to kind of have that that group. Yeah, and I think for me, I'm especially lucky. And that was something that I thought about a lot um, with the Portland job was what like a cool experience to get to learn from Emma. That was a huge drawing factor for me just because you think about it and it's never really a thought that you'll get to work with another female broadcaster. And so my thought process was this is so cool that I'll get to ask her questions and and have her as a mentor for things that I I want to accomplish one day. And she's already um, been through all of that. So she knows what I'm thinking and she's one step ahead and a really great teacher in that sense. So I definitely go to her the most, uh, like she said, and she's been the best teacher all season long, just with little things throughout the broadcast, um, throughout the office hours as well. She's the best. Can't say enough great things. So I'm very lucky to have her as a coworker as well. Um, and then also a unique experience to uh, one of my broadcast partners that kind of believed in me to start the play-by-play -play side of things in Cape Cod is also with the Reading Fight and Fills in the Eastern League. Now he got his um, job around the same time that I did and he just went full-time with them. So it was really cool this season to have him as another um, friend to get to talk to and kind of bounce ideas off of. And he's been the most supportive as well, him and my other broadcast partner as well, Tim and Jake, they've been great and um, have helped me a ton just in the first season of minor league baseball, because that is a different um, situation all in itself. So it's great to have him as well throughout this year. George. Yeah. Um, this is a, Two-part question, um, kind of opposite sides of the coin. Uh, first, the, your biggest challenge that you faced to get up 
and go out and do a broadcast every day. And then the other side of that is, what did you think it was going to be unbelievably hard that turned out to be easy? Ooh. That's a really good question. No one's asked that before. Um, Riley, do you have one? I would say... Uh, for the first part of just the broadcasting side of things is being okay with the idea of not being perfect. That was something that took some time for me to adjust to. I always like to put my best work out there, but with broadcast, you just really never know what's going to happen every day and you can be as prepped um, as ever and it could go any which way. So you just have to be okay with knowing that every broadcast is not going to be perfect. You're going to listen to it back and wish that you used a different word at a certain point or just the smallest details that nobody else would notice, um, but you do. And it's just realizing that you have to be okay with not being perfect, even though you are always your harshest critic. Um, and then to your second point, something that uh, wasn't as hard as I thought it would be was probably just the six days a week of a minor league schedule. When you think about it, you think that it sounds near impossible, but it actually turned out while it is really hard, I will, I will tell you that, spacing out your laundry days and things like that, the small things is what you think about. Um, but six days is also really fun because you get to watch baseball six days a week. So who can complain about that? So it, just the time management, but it ended up working out really great too. Cool. Yeah, I think for me, the thing that I thought was going to be the hardest, but turns out to be the easiest is, is the length of schedule. Um, you know, 138 games is significant. Um, but ev after every season, I find myself like, Oh, I want like a hundred more, you know, maybe a week off, but you know, I just love going to the ballpark every single day and, you know, you know, all the other stuff besides the broadcast. Yes. That can get pretty monotonous, like, you know, the game notes and doing all of that stuff. But at the end of the night, I mean, you get to call a game. Um, I mean, you can ask my husband. I mean, I'm a, I'm not a good person to talk to the last, the two weeks after the season is over. Cause I'm just, I'm just so sad. I like literally am depressed because you go home at five o'clock every day in May. The sun is basically setting at that time anyway, in September. Um, so you're just like, what are we doing? And I think that's the feeling that, you know, if you find your passion, then that's how you should be feeling, you know, it, when your passion has to come to an end for a certain period of time. So um, that was one thing that, you know, at the end of the season, it's always bittersweet because, yeah, I get to spend more time with my dog, my husband, I guess. But the one, my one true love, you know, ends and is on hiatus. And now we have to go to a dark winter. Um, but can you ask the first question again? I want to make sure I answer it correctly. No, it's the biggest, your biggest challenge. Biggest challenge. Um I think day in and day out, it's so. I, I think it's finding great content for the game notes every day. Um, Riley can attest to this. You know, we we put out the game notes every single day, and I think that um, you know diving in as deep as we wanted into the stats and streaks and all that kind of stuff can be a little bit challenging with our day to day responsibilities. Um, so I think it's the challenge of of putting those notes together every single day, but actually it helps us in the broadcast at the end of the night. But um, yeah, those, those daily game notes. <laughs> so name a moment where you just, it, it happened and you exploded like out of your seat. Like this is amazing. 
We've been lucky to have quite a few this season. I feel like there's so many, like you mentioned, with all of the prospects that we've gotten, it seems like every day is something crazy exciting. Um, I'll say Marcelo Meyer's first home run at Hadlock Field was definitely one of them, and his swing is everything that people write about. It's beautiful, and it, Boston fans should be excited. So that was exciting, too, because you just watch it, and the fans knew, too. And I got to call that one, and I just sat there for a second. I was like, whoa, it, just one of those crazy broadcast moments. And then I think for the last game of the season as well, that is by far probably my favorite game I've ever been a part of 24 to two, the final score. Uh, you had a little bit of everything franchise or yeah, records on records and home runs. And it was crazy. And you just sit there and I looked at her and I was like, Whoa, we're still going. It's only the sixth inning right now. So that is probably for sure. My most exciting game this season. It was the best. The almost never-ending game for the final yeah. game of the season. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that – I mentioned it earlier. I think Stephen Scott's walk-off home run on his birthday, that was pretty epic. Um, his second home run of the night. Um, you know, we had a walk-off with with Corey Rozier uh, in the 11th inning. I He broke for home, and honestly, I botched the call. Like, full disclosure, we're talking about mistakes. Like, I botched that call. Um, but I think it was one of those genuine moments of was like, oh, crap, he's going for it. And then he was safe. Like it was just it came from a genuine place of why I botched the call, because it was just one of those like, oh, here we go. Is he going to make it? Um, but it's Corey Rozier. He has real speed. So, of course, he's going to beat any kind of kind of throw to the plate. Um, and then I, and then also we had to talk about the two no hitters uh, with CJ Lou, the seven inning. Um, and then the Gonzalez, Chulucci, and Guerrero combined no hitter at Hadlock. Um, I, I mean, how you're lucky enough to get a one no hitter, or even you can sniff a no hitter in a season, but to get two, I mean, I'm sweating just thinking about it, honestly. Like the two no hitters, it, it was just two incredible baseball feats in one season. I mean, it probably won't ever happen again. Um, but yeah, those those would be the highlights for sure. Oh, you know. I can't believe you guys didn't mention Trevor's story when he was there. <laughs> that and, and and I was so disappointed because uh, DC and myself, uh, we have press passes for when uh, they play the Rail Riders because we I live in Pennsylvania, so does DC. So I know Trevor's story is coming up, you know, for rehab assignment. I'm like, uh oh, is he gonna come here? And then all of a sudden, George and I are you know, podcasting, and then DC sends me a tech, uh, the text message, story's going to Portland. I was so disappointed. <laughs> yeah, he, like, he, was, he was depressed. It was bad. <laughs> I was like, and, and, and then to see him, you know, like, tear it up, like, down in Portland for, for the, you know, the stretch, I'm like, man, that could have been me watching you. <laughs> you should have come to Portland. What are you doing? <laughs> well, that's just a little bit further drive for me, but yeah. so Georgia, uh, anything else then? Yeah. I mean, um, I, I try to go to as many games as I can. Um, I, you know, I live in Biddeford. So, you know, I try to come up with as often as I can. Can you describe to the people out there uh, who are listening, what the environment is like at Hadlock? It is a very unique environment. It's a very cozy stadium. 
uh, very family friendly. Can you just kind of describe that? Because from your perspective, because you know you're you're, you're sitting up in the broadcast booth, which is up there, and in the cooler weather, it's um, you kind of can't escape from the the winds coming in off the water. So, you know, can you just kind of explain that to people? Because I don't, I, I think it's I think it's one of the unique aspects of that team. Yeah, I think Hadlock Field is one of those places where you can genuinely leave your worries and your problems outside of the stadium at the gates. Because once you walk in, you're greeted by plenty of staff members. Slugger the Sea Dog, our Hall of Fame mascot, by the way, the only minor league uh, mascot in the mascot Hall of Fame. Uh, he would want me to, you know, make sure I got that in. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, Hadlock Field is is over 30 years old now, so you don't have the open concourse anymore, which like you said, on those windy nights is, is a little bit nice because you can have some break from the wind if it's a little bit chilly in April or September. Um, but it's such a man, how do I even describe Hadlock? It it's so special because it is it feels so small. Um, but the people are so nice. Um, and you know, you're always greeted by your usher who is smiling and knows exactly how to help you. Um, the people in your section are always are typically a, I'll go to majority are season ticket holders who just love to share the sea dogs kind of fun with, with visitors. Um, and then you'll see our, our, you know, slugger, the sea dog do his skit, which he is still the only mascot that I've ever seen has a unique skit on the field every single night. Um, and he also has his trash monster friends, which are uh, other mascots that walk around. I don't even know really how to describe them. They kind of look like big fish, but they wear Crocs and shoes. Google them um, yeah. for a better image. Um, but it, it is. It's truly a family-friendly atmosphere. I mean, you'll see kids running around without their parents because their parents just want to sit and watch the game. Kids will run around trying for autographs or foul balls. Um, but it, it, you just kind of feel like it's a personal experience for you um, whenever you go. And you, you feel extremely special because the staff is so kind. Uh, they're so genuine. And you just kind of sit back it's a very kind of traditional experience, I would say. You know, we don't play a lot of the sound effects that you'll hear in other ballparks. We don't play a ton on the video board during the game, um, just because in our, from our perspective, you know, this is baseball. Um, and so it'll be a nice, quiet night. You know, you don't have the loud music or, or top 40 hits. You hear some really deep cuts from our DJ um of music you probably never heard before or music you're like wow i haven't heard that since you know in like 30 years um it, it's just such a fun fun atmosphere that any age can enjoy and also if you hate baseball you'll enjoy it enjoy it too um a lot of people will leave yeah. and they'll be like i don't even know if the sea dogs won but i had a sea dog biscuit and that's what i remember um so it, it's a special special ballpark you know, I've been to every ballpark in the Eastern League just about now, and I can say it's it's hands down the best, uh, one of the best experiences in all of minor league baseball. Yeah, and I think on the contrary, the only really loud thing that you'll hear is the crowd because it's nearly always a sold-out game pretty close to it, and the fans are just something else. I, I had posted a couple of pictures um, on different stories throughout the season, and you see the whole um, seating bowl full and my friends from back home were like is this an everyday thing like are there always that many people at the game and there always yeah. really is that many people at the game which is fantastic and it just adds to the entire atmosphere um it's really exciting and like she said with the crowd mic you can hear it on that they're great fans and it's a great experience the ushers are the best um everybody is so kind and, and exactly like she said to echo just a really family friendly and really fun environment 
So if you had any advice to any younger ladies that want to go out and be broadcasters, be interviewers, just to get into, you know, baseball altogether, what advice would you give them? Um, I, I would say, uh, just keep going. Um, you know, you'll hear a lot of negativity. You'll hear no a lot. Um, but just keep going and find out ways to get better. Um, you know, I think, you know, I've, I've spent nights, uh, a Friday night on the side of a football, uh, field broadcasting into my phone so I could practice football and get more reps for football. It, it wasn't going anywhere. It was just me. I would send it to my grandfather who would critique that drive. I would read them back. I would do the next drive and try and get better. Um, so I think it's always, always moving forward, always getting better. So then the next time someone can't tell, you no. Um, I think that that has really been key in my career. And every time I've heard no, I've asked why I've gone out and I've done that stuff, whatever was missing from my resume, whatever it was, I went and I got better, went back and I said, okay, you can't say no anymore because I am literally now the best person for this job. Um, so I think it's just keep going and, and keep getting better every single day and find ways to get better, whether you are on the sideline broadcasting to nobody, um, or just, you know, just trying to get reps or, or just trying to talk to people and practice interviewing, um, just, just keep moving forward. Yeah. And I think I, I, I personally love that hardest worker in the room mentality you have there. Yeah. That's what you have to be in this industry. <laughs> Yeah, to build off of that as well. I, for me, I feel like say yes to everything. Every opportunity that uh, comes your way, always say yes to those things because it can help you uh, years down the line. And it's just a, every opportunity teaches you something. You'll get to meet different people. Um, you'll learn something new. And it just makes you a better um not only broadcaster, but just person in general, because you'll have known like, oh, I, I know what it's like to pull the tarp with people. I know um, what the graphics design intern does. I know uh, kind of a little bit of everything that goes on to make the baseball experience what it is. So say yes to everything and just be that team player, no matter um, what you're doing in your progression of your career as well. And just uh, find a good support system as well, I think is a big thing for broadcasting and being in sports in general, much like it's a team thing for the people on the field. It's a team behind the scenes as well. So find that support system and people that uh, will help build you up and, and be along for the, the ride as well. George, any final uh, questions you, you want to ask? No, I, I, I will say this. Having living in the area, I do get a chance to listen to you on WPEI. And uh, I can give this shameless plug for the station. Uh, and I, I'll tell you, when I go to a game and I'm, and I'm down on the concourse, you know, you know, getting something to eat or drink, um, your your voices carry very well in the concourse. They don't get they, they they don't get lost, and I can actually follow the game because of it. You know, it'll be up on the screen, you know, because MILB will be on. But it's 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 very easy to follow the game with the two of you in the, doing the broadcast. I think you do an outstanding job, and uh, you know, as, as a fan uh, of you know baseball and of you know Red Sox baseball and and Sea Dogs baseball, it's. It's a pleasure to listen to you both do the game. So, thank you so much. Some of the best compliments. Thank you. 
So the floor is yours, ladies. Uh, let everybody know where they can reach out to you uh, and plug whatever you like. Go ahead, Emma. Okay. Uh, well, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, at Emma Teeds. I'm awful at social media. So I sometimes tweet and then I'll see you respond. And then I just am not on Twitter responding for like two weeks. So um, I try to do better about posting like baseball content and stuff, but honestly, I'm really bad. Um, you know, you can listen to our, our broadcasts, 95.5, 95.9, WPEI, uh, FM in Portland, the Portland area, um, or cdogs.com. So that's our broadcast. Yeah, same here. Twitter, Instagram, I try as well. Um, trying to get better in the off season, but same here. And then I also have a little reporting page that I put some clips on as well, but same, same as Emma. Twitter and Instagram, Riley Pay. Okay. Well, guys, sit there and uh, check out our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. Head on over to the shop. Get yourself the Roman Empire, representing Roman Anthony. Uh, we will be releasing a CT shirt. Uh, he got his shirts, said he loved them. You know, I can't wait for, for his content team to get that around. Uh, we're working with a couple other minor leaguers, so check out the, the site. You never know when we're going to drop them. So for the OG, George Sutherland, and myself, The Rit, thanks for stepping by the Pesky Podcast.